SohoNet, the world's expert in connectivity for the entertainment industry. The SohoNet service and unrivaled support provide seamless collaboration on a global scale between studios and facilities, whatever their size, wherever they are in the world. You're listening to The RC, your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking, and cutting-edge imaging. Hi, and welcome to this week's RC. I'm Mike Seymour, joined in the central commentary position by my good friend, Jason Wingrove. How are you, sir? I'm excellent. Thank you. Hey, everybody. So, as you know, the uh, RC podcast covers uh, digital cinematography. Uh, These are the things we obsess about, talk about, um, to paraphrase a favourite other podcast of mine and uh, we just wanted to let you in on the conversation and uh, this week's conversation uh, as always will centre around what's going on in the in the industry and we just love the feedback we've been getting from you guys on the podcast. I also want to just say that we really appreciate the support we've been getting. We've been looking at the, uh, I guess the ratings, if you want to call it that, um, of the downloads and it's been growing and growing and it's become really astonishing how much um, this gets listened to. So thank you guys so much for listening to us. Um, and uh, yeah. this week, if they don't, you don't like something, let us know. We, yeah. we will. We want to uh, improve it. And uh, and this week um, we have in the red room a discussion with our good friend Ed Moore, who's a DOP who's been testing a brand new uh, follow focus and getting his uh, read, I guess, on the follow focus market. Because, quite frankly, as as is the case often with my chats with you, Jason, they're very uh, self-serving because I'm really interested in perhaps getting a follow focus myself right now so having someone like ed who's been uh running with the newest prototypes um in the uk and just finding out his opinion on it is fascinating yeah i'm keen on the same my house is rapidly turning into uh some sort of camera rental house so, <laughs> tripping so, over about five pelicans everywhere i turn so uh ed moore is uh, coming up later in the show in the red room but as we like to do each week we'll start out with the news and uh cross to the virtual news desk <laughs> And now, the RC News. So we'll uh, kick off with, uh, obviously it's going to be uh, quite a busy uh, November. Kicking off with, well, I guess, uh, I imagine, I'm not quite sure who's going to pull their trigger first on on November. I guess it's going to be Canon. um, Well, doesn't Canon have an announcement even before November? Uh, they they do they have an announcement in October which I'm a little bit I have a little less information about the o- October uh, in, uh, announcement than I do about the November announcement. They have a more DSLR focused announcement in October 26 uh, in New York, um, which is um, from all reports is going to be Canon 5D Mark III. Uh, do you think so? Because I actually heard the opposite. I heard that it was going to be something to do with EOS and printers. So it was going to be something like you can print from your camera and wireless and something that because I, I, if it's the Mark III, wouldn't it be? Isn't there something to do with printers on that EOS system and and Pixma printers? Yeah, yeah, doesn't that seem a bit weird that you would throw the Mark III in with a printer? That wouldn't be like a good. If that's not their PR. Well, maybe it's one of those something for everyone kind of announcements. That'd be a dumb announcement in my mind. <laughs> well, maybe it's just wishful thinking. Surely Canon knows how big the Mark III would be as yeah. an announcement. It could own a news cycle with that alone yeah it's true look i can say i don't i know it's definitely sharing the event pixma and eos is uh is a co sort of branded i guess you could say in terms of um their um businesses um it's a co sort of the sharing the event we really know very little uh again i keep hearing from 5d mark three but uh time will tell on that one 
Okay. But the big one is the um, shootout at the OK Corral on November 3rd. It's going to be November 3rd. It's, it's WWF <laughs> Smackdown. <laughs> Let the rumble continue. Wrestling pandas. Don't you think? I mean, it's like, uh, wow. Talk about... It's very interesting. Amano, Amano. It's actually, a, it's yeah. been a bit of a testosterone week, if you actually want to... Because there's more stuff coming up in the yeah, testosterone Yeah, definitely. It's, zone, and but. it's all kind of weirdly interlinked, really, a little bit, I think. Um, so, uh, Canon have... Well, I guess, what hap- I guess what happened first chronologically is that Canon announced <laughs> they were going to have a November 3rd uh, huge big... Uh, the story begins. Canon is making a historic, historic global announcement, uh, obviously in happening in Hollywood. And uh, well, now I've, there's multiple uh, sources I've I've gleaned uh, a lot of information about the camera that is coming, and it's pretty much like I think last time we touched on what we thought the camera would be, and I'm I think I'm sort of still pretty right. It, it's going to be a uh, cinema digital cinema camera. Here's what we know. And again, this is multiple sources. There is some conflicting points, but on the whole, what we're heading towards is a small Super 35, very epic-esque, very epic-esque uh, Canon and or PL mount um, cinema digital camera. So Now, you said chronologically, but actually before that announcement came out, yes. Jim from Red came out of the gate and said, and we thought it was response to Sony, there's going to be a fight... 4K is good. Now I'm looking forward to the fight because I've yeah, always... Bring it on. Bring it on. And we all thought he was posturing against Sony. But yeah, that's now, true. retrospectively, we think maybe he'd heard before everybody else about the Canon announcement, which would make sense in yeah. close to the industry. He would somehow, he would... If some, everyone's at all uh, across Red and Epic, and if they've come across this camera, and there's about, I think there's about five bodies... Uh, around the world of this uh, this Canon camera, um, whoever has got some sort of vague allegiance to Red or even has any sort of connection with Red, surely would have said, uh, "Dudes, have you seen this camera? Because gee, it's kind of like your camera." So definitely, uh, obviously, they all hang around in but the same was, town. But if he was if he was posturing before the yeah. story begins thing was posted, he really <laughs> <laughs> came out of the gate fighting yeah. after it was announced. Yeah, so um, I guess he feels what he has to offer is uh, aimed square at the side of what Canon are offering, because on the very same day, uh, I guess within a day or so of Canon announcing their their launch on November 3, um, Jim is going to have a Scarlet launch, firmly called a Scarlet launch, on November 3, uh, 6 p.m. Um, Pacific time. And so that, that story kept on evolving because not only were they going to have their own announcement on the same day that Canon was, but they then became even more explicit and said it's a Scarlet announcement yep. and you're going to be able to order Scarlets from that night online. Yeah, it is going to be huge. So 6 p.m. Having said that, we don't actually know what the Scarlet is to order it. So it's going to be like, Jace, here's a Scarlet. Do you want to order? Quick. Don't, yeah. don't wait for the translation, exactly. yes or no. No, no. Order now. Literally order now. Otherwise, there'll be a three-year waiting list. You cannot You cannot have time to think about it. So you have to pre... Okay, so... so, so well, let's the say- part of the announcement is going to be the changes to Scarlet and how it's evolved. Because obviously we've talked about on the show at length the fact that in its last sort of publicly announced form that Scarlet really... Underwhelms. Um, Underwhelms, but it's just not. It's yeah. It's definitely. And yet, in in this, as I say, a mano a mano kind of uh, testosterone rush to uh, the market, 
Jim has said that if this camera, this Scarlet announcement, doesn't impress, he'll resign from the industry, I think, it was, yeah. or something to that this effect. true. Which obviously points to them having changed the specs, um, which is totally great, right? I mean, let's face it. Like, what are we saying here? Competition is a good thing, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's one huge. One spurns the other. And Absolutely. I'm sure Canon is a reaction I mean, to red. And red's would we a have 4K at all if red hadn't announced? Yeah, no, it. all good. We would still not. We wouldn't have it. We'd we, probably we'd have 2K. Bit, but, uh, yeah, no, it's all great. So here's the thing, though. I'm going to put it to you now. So what would it be? Let, let me run a couple of scenarios by you. What would it be that would cause you to drop money instantly? On a scarlet, and of course, I should point out that while they're ordering that night, we don't know if they're shipping <laughs> yeah. time in the next. I mean, I, I don't know how long it'll take to ship, but I've yeah. got to think that production has ramped up. They've got their awfully pretty-looking clean room all working. They can yeah. they're shipping out epics at a rate of knots, but nevertheless, we don't have any ship date. But let's assume for a second the ship date's within thirty days. Um, so you, Jason, shipping by the end of the year is what they keep talking about. I guess part of that update will be the yeah. timeline as well. But I mean, we say thirty days; it's that'll get it into December, That's right? Red days, yeah, red days. Okay, <laughs> so okay, so so mm. you know, I hate this million. So this is uh, what is that? You know, um, hot chair. What is it? Hot seat? Yeah. Who wants the to be a millionaire? Room. Who wants to be a scarlet owner? <laughs> If you Your time listen, starts now. If you watch now. The Onion, the steam room. Okay, so, um, so they offer well, you a two-thirds inch Scarlet for $3,000. Okay, deal killer. So just give me a yes or okay. no. I'm, no. Okay, so deal, no deal. That's a no deal. <laughs> okay, okay, no deal. Okay, no deal. Okay, so they now offer uh, a epic size sensor. In other words, something that's 7D-esque. Yep. For, for 15 grand. Mm-hmm. Well... Yeah, well, okay. What's it going to... I guess it comes down to what's going to happen on the back end of the camera, really. Because you've got... There's, now we have choices. We have plenty of Super 35 choices. You've got FS100. You've got Sony F3. There's a lot of other stuff out okay, there. Okay, well, that's, well, they that's said that Scarlet would have HDRX, didn't they? That's already been said. It has always been part of the okay. sort of... I guess when Scarlet kind of moved away from the 3K for 3K yeah. thing... Part of that sort of, you know, the deal was the fact that you would maintain and be getting uh, HDRX as part of the deal. Because we've, right. we've got an M at 50. Yep. We've got a, an X theoretically around 30. Yeah. So let's assume that we're more than three, maybe more than six, got to be less than, than 30 or otherwise it would be, you know, a bigger yeah. than Epic camera. Well, maybe I'll just cross back a little bit and fill in a couple of the gaps of what I do happen, what we do know so far about what Canon's doing. Okay, yeah. which is it's going to be sub sub fifteen k. Now I've also heard ten k, but I've heard fifteen a couple of times. Image quality is Alexa good, like really good. Image quality has been raved about multiple times. SDI outs, XLRs, pivotal pivoting and detachable monitors and grips. A Canon option. Canon, uh, you know, Canon mounts is you know we're all we've we've talked about that. We're happy we like that kind of stuff. PL mounts. Um, small a form Canon factor. Camera that didn't have Canon mounts would be pretty annoying. <laughs> it would be pretty weird. Um, and yeah, they might want to sell some lenses and shit. So you got two. Um, a lot of lenses. Not sure about the resolution. The resolution is that there's definitely 4K being talked about, but not necessarily in terms of what it's actually recording. Yes, you've, 4K uh, capture, 2K. 4K capture, 2K, 2K, but also heard just HD, okay, which Jim's going to love. If it's just HD, then that's just, you know, game on. It's going to be gored okay, like but, a bull. But, when but if you're in the out. red design team, you can't walk back on 4K. You can't offer a camera that's 4K and 2K out because yeah. 
you've made such a deal that 4K is the deal, right? Yeah. So, so if you think about it your... It has to be 4K. Yeah, you think about the fact that you've... Well, uh, maybe... So perhaps Scarlet is now going... Maybe we've moved away from two-thirds sensor, right? Wait, I, I imagine we I'm have. I'm guessing it's Super 35. I'm guessing if you're going to have the same chips, you're going to have the same... You know, you're not going to make a lower-res, a 3K um, Super 35 chip. So it's going to be 4K. As you say, they have have really kind of pinned their pinned their sort of uh, because a point of difference okay so so the thing is you're you're above the 3k for 3k you're above two-thirds inch sensor let's assume these are things you have to be above because you want to blow and socks off and jim said that it's going to be awesome yeah has to be less at the other end So so you can bracket it it can't be more than the epic m and x otherwise those products seem odd yeah so it's got to sit below epic sure above two thirds at 5k Five thousand dollars, sorry, you know, two thirds inch sensor, and it probably has to be four K. Otherwise, you just seem hypocritical. Yeah. So now you're talking about you have to have a four K camera, and so what's the price point? I'm guessing halfway between those two is something like twelve grand. Yeah. And I'm guessing that they always beat my expectations by offering the body alone. So they'll offer the body for nine ninety nine. Probably why they're waiting till six p.m. on that day to make their announcements because they can see what Canon's going to price theirs at and then have a look at it. Yeah. Okay. So they, they and why not? They can't change the specs, but they can look at pricing. Okay. So imagine it's nine ninety nine. So it's it's under ten grand yep. for the camera just to get in anyone's face. Though, Super thirty five. And I think it has to be a bigger chip. So so Super you can limit. 4K, you can happily limit though the grand. frame rate. You yes. can happily say it only goes up yep. to. But you have to include HDRX. But you have to make a delineation from Epic. Yeah. So, but, and what we've talked about before, and one of the reasons that I've always felt that, that Scarlet was kind of not, uh, not heading towards its target market was that whole back-end thing of data. And if you're out there shooting a doco and you've got potentially what was going to be massive okay, frame now, rates. Now you've hit, okay, so now that is the gold. So here's my, this is what you've hit exactly where I was heading. I think the place to go for it is that it's going to be 4K and blah, 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 but it has on board built in at issue a ProRes recording device. Yeah. I think that the weak spot in the arsenal of RED right now is that. Yep. And so they're going to come out with a camera that is all the things that we've said, 4K, lower frame rate maybe, doesn't have mega burst rate or something. Yep. It's only 4K, not 5, which delineates it from Epic. Yep. And then it has some kind of ProRes recording on camera. Yeah. And they say... That's what people are going to be interested in. I don't think anyone's going to give a shit whether it's 4K or 5K, honestly. No, we Red talked will, about no it, And that's will. another whole rat hole about the 4K thing because I had a massive chat with post people yesterday about the whole... It's just, you know, the whole arms race of, of, of K, which is, you know, purely driven at camera people and not at, uh, you know, audiences. Mm, um, yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, well, we, it's, well, yeah, save anyway, that one. Okay, but... But if so, so my so my thing to you for my deal no deal. Mm. If they come out with a fifteen or to, between ten and 10, fifteen camera mm. that is able to shoot ProRes and four K and up to uh, ninety frames or hundred frames, yeah, maybe one hundred twenty at burst. Yep, if you want to do ProRes, and it has a Canon mount and it has a, um, and the limitations will probably be 
if you want to go to RAW or to shoot to go to R3Ds and HDRX, then you have you lose the frame rate and you lose ProRes or hmm, or something. Because see, how would you handle if it's going to do HDRX? How would it handle? It doesn't do HDRX that? in ProRes mode. No, but would there do some sort of hybrid kind of blend? To I don't think so. H- I think Pro the point res? about it is that you you, see, you don't want to sell. You don't want to push ProRes as the solution. Mm. And why spend the processing time and, and effort on it? I think so that we know they've been working on playback, right? Yeah. H- huge thing on the camera is the lack of playback. Yeah. So it's obviously had a ton of R and D effort. In the middle of all of that, if somebody's cracked that and some kind of ASIC on the in the camera that'll do real time encoding to ProRes. Yeah. Hopefully not H two six four, but maybe. Um, then you just say, okay, that's it. If you want to shoot immediately, pop it out of the camera for previs, whatever. Uh, not previs, you know, like a doco. Then bang, there you go, and you can get it. But you don't get HDRX, you don't get the super high frame rates, you don't get uh, even 4K. Yeah. Right? But we have it in the camera done. It's exactly. It's an Alexa killer. Alexa costs yeah fifty thousand dollars. We cost ten thousand dollars. Yep. It's it's everything you want. Wait a second, I bought an Epic. Well, that's okay. You bought the Epic, and the Epic's going to have that as an extra module, and it'll come. Don't worry, but you get 5K. You get other things. This camera gets... This is the Doco camera. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're buying on your deal or no deal on that camera at, at 10 grand. That's a deal, I think, because... I think so. Yeah, because if you look at F3, I mean, that's like 15 grand, right? Okay. It's got... PL doesn't really have... That's the, the sweet spot, isn't it? It's the F3, yeah. Alexa... Well, that's where, that's where Canon's aiming for at the moment. I mean, they might be aiming for... You know, they probably ruled Alexa... Uh, they've already ruled Scarlet out, or they've, they've imagining that Scarlet is, is maybe still two-thirds of a... What fascinates me often is that how... And we've sort of encountered this a bit when we sort of meet people who make cameras right and they say yes. oh but you know this camera's coming and this one's coming and they go oh really what it's like yeah hello do you have the internet on <laughs> over there <laughs> have you uh, do you know what's coming yeah oh uh, hmm, i see sometimes you know we sort of maybe have this sort of blinkered view of what you know that they have the same you know heads up that we do you know i don't know but, sometimes but, they don't but, or they're a okay, bit behind but in the market right now selling is a killer combo where you've got a raw, non-raw camera, yep. and the Alexa is kicking it because Absolutely. people want that. Yep. They've, they've shown they want that, and they are willing to pay a lot of money because they're buying the cameras at you know, 30, 40, 50 grand, whatever. Yeah. So that's proven. Secondly, we know at the 5D level that they'll put up with H.264 with yep. line dropping and crap. Yep. So you need, and, and the, you know, let's face it, that's three grand. Yep. Roughly yeah. speaking, so we know that they're not going to be at the three grand level. They're not going after the H two six four market with because um, they moved away from the three for three. Yep. So the mid the, the the sweet spot then has to be the ten to fifteen, but it can record on camera. Because I got to tell you, if you come out with a ten grand camera that doesn't have playback and doesn't have reduced recording, yep. then yeah, it has to be it has to be delivered on time. It has to have no shit missing from it. I'll even say that, I don't even say that it has to be and, a little bit on time. I say it, that the market has shown time and time again that they'll go with red even if they were a bit late. Yeah, but I think but well, I think we're you heading... You don't want it to be, but they no, will. No, but yeah, but... Yeah, but no, but yeah. But <laughs> we're going... This camera yes. is going head-to-head 
with, with you know previously we were going head to head with Alexa, right? Where it's Alexa ships with no sound recording, with a lot of stuff missing, and what is definitely considered was beta software. They're still switching on stuff now. Yeah, they had no playback. It does have playback now. Okay, and and people are paying through the nose for updates, and they are paying, and they have been, you know, have yep. not been delivered account. So that's what Epic's been head yes. to head to head with now. Yes. Um, Scarlet is not competing with that camera. Scarlet is competing with cameras that ship on time with all their stuff in the box, ready to go, and you don't have to wait months. And you just walk up to to the place and slap your money down on the desk, and you walk away with your camera. Right. So what you're saying is that. That Red has been fighting against Ari, yep. another small company that has exactly, with similar limitations. And they're about to fight at twice the Canon at and twice Sony. the price. They're about to fight right? Canon and Sony. They're about to fight a camera, or a camera, two camera, two camera companies, which will make a camera to you know and release it on the day it's meant to be for the price it's meant to be, with the features, with all the bits in the box, ready to go. Okay, I mean and, we we love and, and what look, we get with 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 the Epic, F3 okay? looks really good. Yeah, F3, the F3 looks, looks great. Really good. FS100 is really impressive, and that's kicking us. Almost, you can almost say a lot of people might say the FS100 is even doing some things F3 can't, or um, and that's whatever five grand, six grand. So I think, yeah, I think for for Red to so Red's um, Red's mo is to be shockingly better than the component. They don't want to be like just you know like. If you compare things apples to apples, you'll note that in line four we're superior. So maybe in balance you should buy red. Red like to come out of the game with something that you go, oh my god. Yeah. They like jaw dropping. Yeah. So and I, I love them. But it's it. getting harder to make those jaws drop. Okay. Every yeah. single month there's something you go, wow, holy shit, wow, so a whole grading panel drop. for three and a half grand, holy crap. Resolve for a thousand dollars. You know, it's getting harder and harder. So they have to be to be jaw dropping. I think they have to be, yeah, ten grand. And on camera recording in some format other than RAW, in okay. addition to RAW. Yeah, and then and you factor 4K. in yeah, factor in the fact that you've got a camera here, which is probably going to be spitting to, I don't know, maybe some sort of ProRes or some reasonably handleable, handleable codec. Imagery is going to look great. I'm talking about Canon here now. It's going to have X, SDIs, XLRs. It's CMOS, but we know the, good, the rolling shutter is not going to be really an issue. We're talking about Alexa good images. We're talking about... Um, epic form factor with detachable what, and maneuverable well, we things. Four K output or just two K output? No, ten eighty. Yeah. Well, this gets back to the whole sort of resolution thing about you know how much do we really, really care? How much do we really care about whether it's four K, five K, two K, three K, Alexa? Right. Yeah. At the moment, you can go out and you can shoot on Arri Raw three K, and you are going to spit out a two K. Um, Whatever you call it, that cinema thing, <laughs> the cinema distribution format, software locked, copyright locked. DCP. DCP. Thank you. Um, Which is two K. Yeah. Tab- no, no, tab- I'm with you on that. I right. just think, uh, I think also in Red's corner is that they've got these awesome projectors coming. Which, by all accounts, yeah. look really, really good. Yeah, and they will be the only 4K projectors really out there. Every single cinema in town in Sydney is now pretty much, you're not going to find a film projector. They're all being fitted out like today and like yesterday. It's 2K. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I've got as one. 2K, as 2K, right? I think there's going to be a big, I've said this okay. before, there's a big market for a cheap 4K projector because every film festival, every you know pub, yep. in a pub that wants to show the bloody rugby or up it, 
to 4K because they'll be able to say it's 4K projected, even though everyone will go, but... But our cinema's, no cinemas going to... No one's... Is our cinema... Our cinema's going to... It's that whole sort of Blu-ray, DVD sort of thing that a really good DVD is pretty close to a not bad Blu-ray uh, from a 50-inch plasma 10 foot away, right? It's going to be the same deal in a cinema. Are you going to be able to tell what's the difference between 2K... I know all the pixel people's out there are going to say, "Oh my god, yes, it's so much different." Really, when I watched the the end of the day, upresed on my HD TV because of the signal from New Zealand. Yeah, it looks. I have to sit a a fair way away from it to look good. If I sit close to my HD monitor right now, it looks pretty bad. Sure, so that's probably 720p MPEG to artifact to hell. So, but but as long as those people continue to bastardize that. That becomes yeah. my perception of HD. Yeah, that's right. If I then put a projector beside it projecting 4K, it's going to look really nice. I guess I'm just saying that for 90% of cinemas, like, I've, I heard just stat yesterday that in China, right, there is virtually no film. There's like 8,000 screens. Because well, they didn't have a lot of 8,000 screens they in China. Labs. They didn't have a lot of labs. No, they don't have any labs. It's all eight, all digital screens, but they right. are all 2K, right? Okay. This but, is new cinemas being rolled yeah. out now in the fastest growing sort of country in the world, okay? There's no 4K. Look, I like Chinese too, but I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, look, I want to move on to the other testosterone <laughs> thing that happened right after that. Okay. So, so that was one thing. And then... So anyway, November's going to be interesting. And obviously what we're going to be... And now, can we talk... Mike, you're November. Where are you in November? I will be right there in friggin' Los Angeles for this. Trust right. Me. Excellent. Now, can, is this like a kind of thing for, for Canon? You like like somehow get a ticket to I am, go to this I am, thing? I am currently begging you're, Canon to get into that event, yes. Excellent. <laughs> um, Suddenly but I'll be in LA for that, yeah. And we'll obviously report from it and uh, try and get some interesting perspectives. Yep. We'll be doing a show, that show. around that time. Yeah, I think a, maybe the next ASAP. day. Yeah, as soon as. Fourth of November would be <laughs> Absolutely. Around. show would be coming out. Um, yeah. Excellent. Okay, but so the other thing that was breaking about the time we were doing um, the last show and really kind of caught everyone by surprise mm. was uh, something that also led to quite a lot of um, uh, chest thumping, I guess, but maybe uh, yes. deservedly so. There's been a lot of that about. Um, so a former vice president of market development for ARRI struck a plea bargain after admitting he accessed the computer of the rival Banpro, of which he used to work for. Yeah. So now I'm going to so, choose my words carefully here because I don't want to be um, litigious in uh, or act in a way that is frivolous. So mm. I'd say two things. I'm, right. I'm a big believer in innocent till proven guilty. Yep, absolutely. This guy's actually pleaded He's, guilty. So Yeah, no, absolutely. But but he has proven, he has pleaded guilty, right? Yes. Not Ari, okay? Okay, so now the so, thing is, it would appear from what's happened, that this guy isn't some master hacker. He isn't some genius of uh, internet fraud. Yeah. He simply knew his boss's email password, password. when he worked there. Yeah. And so when he moved to the new company, he continued to access his boss's password. So I'm using this now by way of uh, guess. Yeah. But if I so worked for you and I knew your Google account, yeah. if I leave and you don't change your password, I could still access your Google account. This is yeah. It is hacking, but it's not like... Yeah. It's not black hat. Now, if you think around around the timeline, okay. Well, so, so this is a this is a an employee of of Ari accessing uh, Band Pro and uh, I think uh, Digital Inc. 
Now, these are not camera, camera manufacturers. And obviously, these people are sort of involved in, in – these are resellers for, uh, for a lot of cameras. They're not actually manufacturing. Well, they, what they, I'm trying they to did a deal at NAB, right, with RED to package up lenses and RED cameras to sell them. This is true, yes. So, so what – And also we – and Michael – I think at the time we met Michael, he was working for ARI because I think – I believe he – um, we had access to Alexa, uh, literally at NAB two years ago. Um, there are photos, we'll put them in the show notes, of him standing behind the Alexa. Um, we've got the, the Jeff's photos. Yeah. No, not the ones you're thinking that I'm referring to. No, no. <laughs> no, these are the wrong ones we own. <laughs> right, yeah, good. Um, I was going to say. Yeah, and yes, he was uh, lecturing at uh, mm. NAB and was part of the ARRI team. Now, obviously, the link to RED is that somehow, and I'm really not sure how it, work, how it interacts, but uh, theoretically, apparently, this is all going to make our head spin when it all comes out for what it's worth, um, is that uh, Jim's emails were somehow intercepted. So we don't know this, but it, if I was to guess, there's two ways it could happen, right? One is that Jim sent emails to the guy at BandPro, and these were the emails that were read yeah. by this guy at Ari. So. Yeah. Jim could be outlining, for example, a confidential roadmap. I'm just completely speculating here. I don't know yeah. what I'm talking about. This is not a fact. Um, could outline a roadmap as you would to a business partner that's going to be involved in a reseller deal and that that therefore gets read by an ARRI employee who's hacking into the ban progress. Yeah. Or option two, which is the bigger sinister one, is that this guy somehow also hacked into actual read emails. And I yeah. have yet to have any... I've not yet to see anyone publish conclusively to say it's either option A or option B. I yeah. haven't heard that someone said that he only accessed this guy's account and anyone that was sending emails to this guy obviously got to read those. So around this time, I mean, he became VP of Marketing Development in 2010. Now, around this time, Alexa had already been essentially announced and was in generally kind of out and about. We, the whole change to Epic had happened, DSMC. We knew what, you know, we knew what Epic was going to be. It hasn't radically changed that much. Um, I'm just saying there's not... And I'm sure, obviously, if, if you really know, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that, that, that's really bad. But, okay. you know, so it's not like all of a sudden Ari's going to bring out something that looks like Epic because it is a it's all been shared. It's, it's, it's really... And, and, and to say... It, I mean, okay. who at one time or another hasn't hacked into someone else? Oh, sorry. Well, I, I'll say this, right? This guy didn't get just a slap on the wrist. He's got jail time. So this is not, um, you know, like, a, yeah. I'm going to take a... I don't think it's going to end here. Bond ...for... So we don't know no, the extent. It's not going to end here, obviously, because Jim's lawyer is involved now, and as he's, as we've been told many more times, he uh, never loses. But here's another thing, though. I will say this: people have said, and in fact, you've said, don't have a go at Ari because yep. of what this guy did. And I understand that point of view, and I totally want to underline that Ari was not fined, and Ari was not yeah. convicted of anything. But it's having one said person. this, yeah, well, okay, let me flip it for a second, right? Imagine that there is a really well-known employee of Red, and I'm going to call this guy Mike Seymour, so I'm, just, I'm not referring to anyone okay. else, but imagine I worked at Red and was a very public figure and was giving presentations on behalf of Red at NAB, and it was discovered that I had hacked into ARRI, that I would be crucified, I mean, honestly, yeah, absolutely. And, and Red would come under enormous aggro over it, Yeah. so even though you should rightly point out that ARRI wasn't fined, the guy did work for ARRI. So if it yeah. was a person that was working for Red that hacked into Sony, yeah. Red would get crucified. I have no doubt in my mind that they would just be taken out and yeah. 
crucified. And I'm sure if you, but if you are in the high end of you know production and you are sharing, you know, you've got sort of serious corporate secrets that have cost you millions and millions to develop. You're not really going to be sharing this stuff via email anyway. Okay, it's not going to be emailable. It's going. You're going to be. I would FDP, feel You're really going to be going through any other method than, than my, email. If your email account was hacked, and I, I would feel bad. I was sending you stuff, and the people. If one of my competitors, yeah, was reading your account, yeah, you're thinking, oh my god, what did they pissed. read? What did yeah. I say? Yeah, you know, I mean, so obviously it's it's completely tragic all around that that a you know he, he's found out b that he, obviously he's lost his job, he's going to jail, he's going to essentially have. Uh, some I'm sorry, sort of as much record. as I like Ari, Ari doesn't get off the hook on this for my accounting because they hired the guy, right? Sure. Like, what is Ari? But a bunch of employees. Like, yeah. there's not. It's not like there's some separate thing that you can go and talk to that is ARI that is separate from its employees yeah the only thing you can talk to are ARI employees because that is the ARI company they're responsible but you know not not I'm not saying you should crucify ARI but I'm just simply saying that you don't get to have one of your employees okay so if if a bank employee goes rogue and loses two billion dollars you don't say it's got nothing to do with the bank (laughs) that would never happen that would never happen you don't say it's got nothing to do with the bank you say the bank should have had safeguards the bank hired this guy the bank's culture there's like lots of things that you would point at so i'm just simply saying that while i do subscribe to the don't crucify ari stream i'm also not subscribing to the ari did nothing and and deserves no criticism or i mean Point blank. They this has apologize. been bubbling away in the background, as we know. If you remember, I think it was about two years ago or so, about 18 months ago, when computers were seized from... Uh, from uh, well, by and from well okay, so I investigated that. I've not actually had anyone conclusively say that that was related to this investigation. Right. We mm. tried to find a link there, and mm. we didn't. So at the moment... I guess at the, end, at the end of the day, I don't think it really... Because two years ago would have been 2009. Mm. Yeah. So that's what I was saying. It's probably a little bit less than that. Okay. Early, 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 early 2010. All right. Anyway. Anyway, I just think some of the chess beating's a bit much, and you know, there's a lot of uh, airy slamming going on. And when they're not necessarily, as you say, they're responsible because he's an employee, but they haven't said um, you must, Michael, go ahead, hack now. You got the passwords? Good. Find out what you can find out. Let us know. Bring all the bring printouts to board meeting on Monday. Okay, I understand that, and I understand that there is a line, and this is exactly what's happening with the UK phone hacking scandal. Yeah. Like, is it a rogue employee, or is it institutionalised behaviour condoned by management? Quietly condoned. And but, I'm not saying that admitted. it's condoned by management. I'm simply saying that... Um, okay, let me put it a whole different way. If you were in ARI right now, you'd be pretty freaking pissed at Michael. Yeah. I yeah. mean... Because, quite frankly, Ari has one of the cleanest names in the industry yeah. before this scandal. Yeah. And they've uh, obviously had their completely their name completely tarred by this. Uh, a lot of people have, you know, ca- you know as, have cancelled accounts and, you know, cancelled gear orders and, you know, been flaming people in uh, whatever method they can, sending nasty emails. So, And also, I would really hate to see no reaction because that would be somehow saying this kind of behavior is yeah. to be tolerated. And you, I mean, like I think, honestly, if I was to, you know, you have those, it's an aside, but you know those things, they rate things like cops and doctors and lawyers on, you know. Who the most trustworthy. Yeah, I would put DOPs really high on that list. Honestly, like DOPs, in my experience, are an incredibly ethical, really honest group of people. Like I, I honestly, you know, mm. you don't get shady DOPs, really. I can't think mm. of any. I mean, like you get people that maybe don't. You should get out more, Mike. 
No, but don't you think like DOPs are a group that are yeah remarkably straight up. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah, um, yeah, okay, mostly. Yeah, you think they bat above their weight, above the average for, in your mind, seriously, like a DOP isn't like a more. I mean, where would they rate compared to? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's less, less. <laughs> they know. rate higher than producers. <laughs> oh yeah, well no. Obviously, obviously, Jace, they rate lower than directors. I'm not <laughs> saying that. Yeah, no. In terms of the moral and skullduggery and undercutting and, and nastiness and uh, catty comments and. Uh, okay, I've had more. Yeah. Okay, so I was speaking personally. I've had more. I've had other heads of department on set pull stuff on set, in yeah. terms of uh, we stop or you give us overtime or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Than the DOP. The DOP yeah. tends to be the guy or girl that is the kind of level-headed one. They want to do the right thing by the crew. Mostly, yes. But they don't right. tend to you, you are right, but it's, you know, not. Mostly, yes. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, one last bit of news. Uh, Final Cut Pro added uh, some extra stuff. Final Cut Pro <laughs> X added extra stuff. Okay. Which was good. XML is good. Yeah, We're terrific. glad they're doing that. Keep doing that, yeah. Apple. Good. By the way, Ron Brinkman told me on a podcast, so he said this publicly, that he heard from very high up that Final Cut Pro 10 was Express right up until near the end when they decided to flip it and call it Final Cut Pro 10 and stop the normal Final Cut Pro. See, so, that would have made sense. And, and, and We said that, haven't we? Yeah. And he said from his sources, I'm quoting Ron Brinkman, but Ron said this publicly in a podcast, that he spoke to people inside Apple and that's exactly what was the plan. Yeah, but what's and the he, plan for Final Cut Pro then though, to just completely drop it? No, 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 no. They're just like, you know... Where's you, Final Cut Pro, no, but where's Final uh, Pro X? Stop it. Like, it's the same with iPhoto and Aperture. They didn't kill Aperture by releasing... But they released the face stuff in iPhoto before they released it in Aperture. They didn't kill yeah. Aperture as a consequence. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Don't you think? I just... Oh, okay. I'm getting side at. It just... No, no, you're not. You're just anyway. so pissed over I'm Final just Cut. Fr- absolutely. I'm so pissed off about it. it. Really, honestly. I know people that sort of, you know, originally when I slammed it, just like flaming me and just saying, you know, you don't know what you're talking about and just stick with it and give it a go. They're all now turning around and going, yeah, you're right. It's shit. Okay. This really is a piece of shit program. <laughs> it's okay if you've just, just been born and you're just learning to use it. It's fresh out of the box. A fresh human stamped and tagged and isolated and wheeled out into the world and saying, learn this editing oh, thing. God. Terrific. But if you've learnt the classic sort of timeline way, I don't mean that, you know, the old ways are the best ways, but, you know, basically it's you just have to sort of have your whole frontal lobotomy, have the complete charisma bypass, a new brain freshly inserted in your skull to be able to sort of move forward. You just can't unlearn some shit about the way to edit you know and this is this is this piece of software basically relies on the fact that you need to undo everything you know so okay i i'm just not using it i'm using the old version yeah but you said you were using it and you've got it and you bought it yes. yeah and okay I'm not using it Right, and why aren't you using it? Because it didn't have XML and a bunch of other stuff that That's would fit into our workflow. <laughs> no, come on. What about the actual using of it, the actual editing of it, the physically just dropping a few clips in and say, oh, I want to start this clip here and end this clip here and put these two together. That's just so easy, is it? The I think we've way? conclusively proven your opinion on this subject. Okay. Let's do the gear. <laughs> and now, the RC Gear Guide. So, uh, in terms of gear, we're going to rip through some stuff um, yep. so we can get to the Red Room and yep. our interview with uh, Ed about uh, follow focuses. 
But you found an incredibly cool lunar landing module. <laughs> now, I saw these guys at NAB literally as a lot. And I swear, uh, if I do ever go to NAB again, I am going to book myself out for less stuff and have spent a bit more time on the floor because a bit of gear that I missed last time. And I saw these guys literally at the last five minutes. And I went, holy shit, took a couple of quick snaps with my iPhone and just ran away. Um, but, uh, yeah, innovative uh, uh, Equipment carts, uh, very, very cool. I'm not quite sure how these would go on an Australian film set because I reckon if you wield one of these out, people would just go, you tosser. <laughs> <laughs> because you're showing off? Because you're showing off. It'd be because... like wearing the white overalls, buying new white overalls and then going on a building site. <laughs> <laughs> from clean, even just clean overalls. Even clean overalls. I don't know. This is, I mean, this is very gorgeous. Can you just stick this bits is... of old gaffer tape all over it and a couple of... Yeah, freaking impressive. Uh, also, I don't know whether... Could you articulate for our listening viewers okay. what it is about this marvellous car right. that makes it well, to get you mocked on set? Uh, okay. Well, I mean, they've got various uh, various versions of their cars. Basically, this is like the standard, uh, I guess, camera carts for putting camera cases on or for being your DIT station um, or for Video Village. Okay. Now, these guys literally only make uh, equipment carts for the entertainment industry. Now, they've got... Now, from my understanding is that they've got guys from the photographic industry and from the film industry, but also teamed up with guys who build, like, uh, off-road, off-road uh, bikes, off-road bicycles. Uh, and, and so, basically... Obviously, they've got some quite simple versions of these uh, equipment carts, which have just sort of just nice off-road tires and look like they're really built really well, fold down beautifully, gorgeously engineered. But uh, they have uh, the one that really, the one that I saw at NAB, which made my sort of jaw drop, was called the Alpha. And this is, you know, obviously this is not a cheap cart, but what was the first thing I saw was this incredible um, um, lunar rover kind of um, off-road construction, which any um, uh, any race car would be quite happy having suspension this gorgeous and disc brakes, uh, independent suspension, gas struts. Um, it's quite impressive and quite beautiful. And obviously, you need to see the pics in the show notes and the links to um, really appreciate it. Uh, again, so it, really this is rich, not without. You, you would buy this and put you, a rope on the front of it and give it to your kid as the ultimate go kart. <laughs> Take the top off exactly. Put you put your kids inside it. Now, now the top one's like about three and a half grand. It's pretty gorgeous, but you know that's not that, for a trolley. For a trolley. So, what's the return on investment on this? Hey? What's the ROI on this? Why, for, why a per, for a camera assistant, say, or a DIT yeah, person? You can't really rent out your trolley. I think if you put trolley <laughs> rental on your invoice, you just go, what the fuck is this? Yeah. You're trying to con me? Yeah. Charging for cables or whatever? Because well? I, don't, I don't think this is bad. It's I not just, something you can rent for, really. So how do you get your money back on this? You don't. You just, you what just, is this? It, it, this, this is on your on-set persona. This is how you look when you wheel out on... The, obviously, <laughs> you've got to back it up with, like, is, not deleting camera files or this, this by not tripping we, over this or This is how we travel. This is how we... This, this is how, you know, it's first... You, yeah, obviously, you never get that sort of uh, uh, second chance to you make a first impression. You don't walk on set with this, you swagger. <laughs> You drive, you cruise on. You go, yeah. You just, you just push it on casually and go, oh, yeah, that's my trolley. I, I yeah. think the only way that you would push this on set is if you were riding on a Segway at the same time. <laughs> this is the trailer for your Segway. Segway, yeah, exactly. This is like it. This is the... This is the <laughs> 
It's quite gorgeous. Uh, but all the rest of their carts, I think all the rest of their carts are quite sensible and they probably wouldn't get a second look apart from the fact that they are well, really nicely built and you'd probably just appreciate the uh, build quality and the fact that they pack down into quite small uh, road caseable kind of uh, sizes. It's just that okay. for that alpha, that top line one. I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like you're just lusting after just... I mean, this is it's beyond... The disc brake options, everything. This is gorgeous. I do, tell, tell you do want to get in photo, and ride tell the thing. the press photo doesn't actually have a lens flare in it. It's like, <laughs> it's like a car shoot. It is like... It, it's a, it's a, also, just go to their website. It's a really nice... It's a very nicely designed website. Excellent photography. Beautiful layout. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good lesson yeah. in how to do a website. Because I, I want my car to have really nice typography on its website. Look, you know, are you sh- the the film industry, Mike, is all about perception. You know, you think if the DOP pulls up in a in a really nice Porsche, you're going to think his photography is fantastic. Until his photography is shit, of course. You do need, again. You do need to back this up with some actual being good on set and not you okay. know spilling out. a hot coffee in the DOP's lap or uh, you know. Not spending the whole time updating your Facebook. I should point out that, that these carts are so gorgeous that they're effectively sold out. Yeah, they have sold out, and you have you can pre-order now for the next fifty batch what, of fifty. What they go do to I know to. then? <laughs> Come on, I look. If you, there is a market for, a for the best of everything, lot. right? There is a market for the best of everything. I always, you know, if if someone there's, there's always a market for someone to go and make a better. Something. The better so this is the trap, advantage you know. of. Uh, this is the yeah. This is the Lamborghini Reventon of. Um, uh, this is the carbon black Aston Martin of of equipment carts. Right. This is the uh, this is the camera cart that that the young James Bond used <laughs> on set when he was trying to break into the industry. This is the cart you bring Does to it the have Bond optional set. Optional rocket launches. If you weren't being paid shit wages. Hmm? Yeah, I was going to say like maybe just no. Nobody working on a film can afford to because uh, seven hundred dollars for a cart seems to me quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, that would be the normal sort of you know regular. Uh, cart kind of money, and and also it's not like there's anything can go wrong with this cart, right? It's not like it ha- oh wait, maybe there are a so much for parts. rushing through this gear. Well, come on, this okay, is I, just thought I mean, really, like <laughs> hello. Yeah, it's very cool. It's okay. very cool for a cart. It's, it's sensational. I, now, I, did, I didn't think that you could find something that I <laughs> I would simultaneously want as much and not want. Simultaneously. It's fantastic. It would look fantastic in your studio here, Mike. It would look good. Look but it I folds just, up really. I, I think I don't know. I might buy an F three or a Segway. <laughs> oh, a God, shooting yes. Segway. You're going to get a bit more use out of it. It's probably almost the same. No, it's not. Not quite mm. the same money. Hey, um, okay. SLRs. Yeah, SLRs. okay. This is, uh, I'm going to our good friend, my good mate, uh, Paul Schneider, director, um, who is Letters Home on uh, Twitter. I must ask him why he's called Letters Home on Twitter. But there you go. Uh, he's uh, designed for, um, uh, for Zakudo the uh, Swiss cage, because everything from Zakudo must start with Z. Uh, it's a really nice cage, but it's basically taking their... Uh, original sort of cage design and just expanding it, putting a nice top handle on the top of it and uh, um, giving you lots of uh, mounting options on the top. Uh, basically every sort of spacing and uh, you know, you have red spacing, you can, fit the, you can fit the top handle off the cage on the top of an Epic. You can fit um, Are you a all, cage the, all the red stuff. Um, uh, I... There seem to be two- for some... Sh- sh- yeah, I mean, I think... For some for some style of shooting, I mean, not everybody. It's not going to suit everyone's style of shooting. I think it's, 
I think it's a really valid, you know, that whole kind of waste. High, I mean, if you think about it, look at the way this is designed. It's very similar, I suppose, in the ergonomics to the um, um, Stubling rig. Okay. Well, the thing about a cage is... Handle forward, handle back, left and right, quite balanced. Yeah, this is a bigger package Waste than the Stubling. quite yeah. small. And also, Stubling specifically designed so you can operate a follow focus with one hand while still holding it. Yeah. But it does give you a lot of stability, obviously, because you go wider and you're less likely to have sort of wobbly cam yeah. as a consequence. This has obviously got a top plate on it so that you can actually put, like, uh, obviously the thing about Stubling, in which you, obviously you can put a monitor on top of the camera, but this gives you a place to mount um, a EVF or a mm-hmm. monitor on the top of the plate, and or if you've got wireless receiver, it just gives you a po- place to put all the other stuff on. I guess it's more, maybe more of a sort of a TVC kind of run-and-gun kind of um, B-cam sort of rig maybe, or a fashion fashion stuff, where you're not holding the camera for hours and hours. You're just sort of doing, you know, a few shots here and there, getting, getting you know, um, you want to have your receiver there for audio. You want to be able to put monitors on the top. Um, you know, have that sort of top carry handle. So, I don't know, and um, uh, anyway, I think it's just really nicely done. It's uh, Paul's a great guy. He really thinks about what he does. He's actually out there shooting. He's not a, um, he's not someone who just sits in a cave thinking this might be interesting. He's actually someone who gets out there and uses this shit so he knows how this stuff should work. Um, so, yeah. It's if you go on to uh, Zakudo's website, I think even on the front page at the moment, there's a great video there of of Paul and Steve Weiss from uh, um, uh, from Zakudo having a chat about the rig, uh, taking through the whys and wherefores of it. So very very good, um, and good on you. Thanks, Steve, for uh, giving Paul uh, the chance to go and rummage through the the goodie bag there and come up with stuff, and uh, and for listening to DPs who are out there shooting. Not that you're not, but uh, yeah, all good stuff. So there's also a new camera e stuff from Wooden Camera. Coming. Yes, uh, Ryan from Wooden Camera has brought out a whole bunch of stuff, and there is more coming. Um, he has uh, um, come up with alternatives, I guess, to other stuff that's out there, but sort of taking it and maybe giving it a little bit of a twist. Uh, one of the things I think is really uh, good is, uh, particularly for Epic, obviously, he's... Uh, a lot of the Epic uh, and Red equipment is based on this... SWAT rail design. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because here's the thing. We heard a lot about the SWAT stuff, I'm going to say, a year ago. Yeah. yeah. And then it kind of went quiet. Yeah, the gunner and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. now we're starting to see a lot of this. It is starting to come out, and Red keep telling us that there is more coming. Just wait, you wait and see. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Of I the have stuff the top handle stuff. And actually, here's the thing. I kind of admit this, because I feel bad about saying this. I, I kind of... I was like... Hmm, maybe that's what stuff's moved away from Red's central focus. Yeah. And I actually asked the guys about that at Red, and they were like, no, why would you say that? No way. And somebody had, had mentioned to me that they thought the same thing because you weren't seeing the word SWAT in the Red order room, as it were, is mm. an ordering space on the Red website. But a lot of the stuff does use the SWAT. Now, the wooden camera stuff actually says SWAT on it. It actually Yes, luckily, SWAT. though, for both, if you order... Um wooden camera or if you order from red i think the uh, stuff is labeled like camera accessory equipment it doesn't actually get nato rail or swat uh, 
No, no, the what, camera no, the equipment itself might be branded that way, but if you're shipping this stuff through international borders and to <laughs> countries that with uh, quite restrictive like gun laws... The US with a sniper... A sniper, a NATO, some NATO rail. Australia with a sniper option. Yeah. Um, so obviously, um, so one, one of the first little objects, I think, is, is what they call his, uh, the safety swat rail, which I think is quite a good idea. Uh, it's actually got little safety push pins on either side of the rail. If you've got the uh, detachable, the red top handle, say, uh, bolted on top of that, uh, you, just, uh, you just undo the, undo the knob and that, uh, knob, uh, that handle can actually slip straight off. But, the rail, uh, if but hang on, but are wooden cameras top handles SWAT? They're not, are they? No, it's not. He's also got a, another top, a top handle. So the safety SWAT rail, it's just like the red SWAT rail, but it has the little safety push pins either side. So you have to physically push a button to release anything out of the end of the rail. Smart. 99 bucks. Top handle, he's got a top handle, which is not SWAT. It's just basically bolted on the top. You don't need to have any other equipment. If you just simply want a top handle that you just want to bolt it on and leave it there, great, you've got the option there. That's slightly hard to attach the LCD. (laughs) Yes, uh, where you put the LCD is is something else. Uh, If you go bolting an EVF to something. But, you know, know, this is just the start. Uh, He's got a side handle, which I quite like, which is an alternative to the really nicely designed but slightly overpriced at $350 maybe red uh, outrigger handle, which is gorgeous. But um, what uh, Ryan's added is the ability to have uh, three-eighths and quarter-inch bolts all the way along of it. So if you wanted to put the LCD or the EVF or anything on the top of that, you could, which you can't do I'm with the outrigger. kind of intrigued, though. Wooden Camera is offering their handles, their top handle and their side handle, in rubber or leather. Mm. I'm not a leather fan. Fan, <laughs> this is like, <laughs> but really? yes, you do have the leather options. It's quotable quotes. Nice. So, Jace, do you like rubber <laughs> leather, or leather? Leather or leather? You, pre- you prefer rubber. I'm a rubber guy. I know leather has a certain appeal to me. Um, <laughs> okay, stop that now, I'm please. Doing that in that voice. Um, no, please make it stop. Um, he's got. I, also, I yep. actually would love to try the leather handle. Mm-hmm. I love the the mm-hmm. idea of the leather handle. It's a slightly different design. It's slightly more ergonomic. Because it's Possibly. got a bit of a bulbous bit that fits into your yeah arm. yeah it's a bit more um, it's got a bit more rotational ability maybe I have the uh, the red top handle which is the SWAT one yes and I have the red side handle which isn't a SWAT one yeah but I would love to try the um, the leather grips I think mm. that could be interesting because I use those a lot now um, he's uh, also got the bottom riser bracket which you need to get mount, map for for two reasons a you need it if you're going to mount onto uh, any sort of ARRI or any mm-hmm. sort of Studio 1519mm studio map box options. So you need to have that riser. For some reason, They just if they'd made the camera just that 5mm higher, that would have all been, been perfect. But uh, the Epic is essentially a maybe 9 or 10mm to not tall enough for the optical access of the camera to, if you put it on the standard slide plate, for it to uh, line up. So there's a riser block, but what the, the, that what that does add is a whole bunch of other mounting options on the bottom of the camera. It's got quarter or twenty holes all the way around it, and one of the other options. That, and obviously, this is also what what Red offers and what the Viewfactor offers is the ability to bolt on 15 mil lightweight um, mounting point on the front of the camera because. Uh, uh, lightweight 15 mil. The optical access for lightweight 15 mil is uh, actually a, 
above the bottom of the camera. How is it? So you need to be able to bolt the the rods right in the front of the camera. Hmm. So you're a fund of information, Jason. Yeah, am I? Aren't I? So uh, and the obviously the other thing with these quarter from your days as an operator. Uh, No, I don't know the optical axis measurements at all. I just (laughs) someone else has done all that hard work for me. But what's nice is obviously with the quarter inches bolts all, uh, all the way around the bottom, you can put the SWAT rail. You can run a SWAT rail along that, so you can actually mount a mount your top handle on the side, or you can put your EVF down there, or you can bolt a hole. You just basically you want this camera. This camera does not have enough holes on it. You want you want a top plate with all holes. You want a bottom plate with all holes on it. Um, he is also releasing a. Uh, let me just get his uh, email up. He's also releasing a um, uh, top plate. Uh, is coming out. It should be out by the time we uh, release this. He has his Easy Top X, which is two ninety nine. Should be shipping around the October sixth. Uh, he's got a whole bunch of other stuff. He's got a something called the. You know, I think Mike, you've got his A Box thing, which is the little breakout yeah, for that. XLR to the Mini three point five yep. jack on the front of the camera. Right. He's bringing out something called the B Box, which is, I guess, a sync port breakout box, which would give you. From the one plug on the back of the Epic, it'll break out to SD, uh, BNC plugs for timecode, Genlock, trigger, and all that sort of stuff. If you want to start syncing this stuff or get Genlock mm-hmm. out of the camera. Um, and a whole bunch of 19mm, 15mm bridge plates. So good on you, Ryan. He's not stopping. And uh, just keep, keep watching his website and uh, you know, as another alternative. So thanks, Ryan. Uh, actually, also, if you go on his website, there's a really nice, a very good video he's got on his little universal EVF bracket. He's got a really nice, quite adaptable, one. obviously one of the things where this is where the heck you put your, your viewfinder. Everyone's different. Every rig is different. Do you have it low and you want the viewfinder up quite high? Do you want to go to high, handheld? Um, so have a look at his little EVF bracket, which is about 450 bucks, and the video there explains uh, you know, all the options with that thing. It's a very clever little piece of kit for the money. Well, now, as we said at the top of the show, uh, one of the things that I'm personally interested in right now is follow focuses for Steadicam use and others. And I've been holding Wireless out follow focus we're talking. I'm sorry? Wireless follow focus, remote follow focus we're talking. Remote follow focus, exactly. Yes. And I have been hanging out, actually, for the Red Rock Micro yeah. because that looked good. And also, let's face it, we saw it in 2010 Yep. NAB, which is like a year and a half ago. It's it still coming. It won't, it's still there. We haven't forgotten about it, but it's not out. It's not. I've looked at the website, and it's marked as still coming. <laughs> it is still coming. It's being refined, but yes. Okay. But, you know, and I discussed this in a second with Ed Moore, there's a real sense I have of if you can make money with a product right now today on a production, yep. you don't care about what's coming down yep. the track because yep. you can't use what's not here. Yeah, get what makes it right, what makes it... Uh, what keeps it sharp and keeps you shooting and gets it done in un, uh, under budget, on time, on schedule. So rather than discuss the uh, Hocus Pocus, um, let's discuss who Ed Moore is because uh, Ed does a really good job of discussing the Hocus Pocus. And by the way, as I, the name of the new one that he is looking at is the, is the, it's the Hocus Focus, Focus Pro, but it's actually called the Hofo Pro, hmm. as you'll hear in a second. But anyway, let's establish who Ed is. Ed's somebody that I've shot with in London, and also you've shot with separately yep, in London. Indeed. Um, and he's a really talented DOP. Uh, he's on Twitter as Ed Moore, which is E-D-M-O-O-R-E. Um, he's actually a really good uh, person to be speaking to about this, because apart from the fact that he operates Steadicam and does a bunch of other stuff, he's one of those people that, like many of you listening, that... Um, 
is quite independent. He's a younger DOP coming up. He's already built a good name for himself. Yeah, for someone who's, what, 14, 15? Fuck off. Dick. No. Ed is notoriously, or not notoriously, Ed looks uh, a bit younger than he perhaps is because he's uh, got a kind of energetic enthusiasm about him other than the sort of bloody cynical old bastard look that you have, Wingrove. Um, But anyway... Ed's a great guy, but he's um, the thing about him is that instead of being some younger DOP who doesn't know what he's talking about, Ed yep. is incredibly uh, talented at getting in and actually doing stuff. So I wanted to talk to him because um, he'd got his hands on this new pro version and had actually shot with it. And as you know on the show, we do like to get the opinions of real DOPs and of gear not just from the press release. So you know the stuff we've been talking about today, where like the wooden camera, we're actually holding them in our hands and uh, have bought and have yep. used. We don't like to just go off stuff but in this particular case there's only like one or two of these prototypes in the world and the first shoot ever with this new uh, pro uh, remote follow focus was one that ed did shooting on a um ariflex so we thought hey let's just go straight to the horse's mouth and speak to ed but look i just can't emphasize enough um notwithstanding wingrove's wise cracks that uh ed is a dop i really really respect yep, a definitely. lot you are entering the red room hey ed how are you Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, for sure. So, look, um, we're speaking to you uh, over in the UK, of course, um, where you've just finished testing the new um, Hocus Follow Focus, which, by the way, just I'm not really comfortable with rhyming products. Um, <laughs> but, look, I wanted to <laughs> talk about to, this. You'll have to forgive this one. I, I, I'm really so, this is, this is technical. Uh, so I was going to say this is actually the Hofo Pro, so it's a triple rhymer, so that's going to be even more for you to stomach. Okay, the Ho Pro, what? The Hofo Pro, what? Ho, so, so Hofo, which is short for Hocus Focus, uh, and so and which was an existing product, so this is his Pro version, so he's calling it the Hofo Pro. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you're not happy about the name, but I hope you can. Can I just call it the, like the HFP? Or or the Hocus Focus Professional. Let's 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 stick with HFP. That sounds good okay. to me. So so here's the thing. I am um, I'm I'm personally in the market to get uh, something like this. I looked at the um, previous product, as I said, and it looked like yeah. it was pretty good for the price. It was it's, it's still on the website, of course. It's still like um, available as far as I know. Um, and that product is a package of around uh, one thousand two hundred fifty pounds, and that. F- gave me a follow focus remote unit that I would like hold in my hand obviously something that would go on the on the rods for the lens and uh and of yep. course the controller that would um uh listen to the one that I was you know had in my hand so in other words a, a working yep. system the thing is for yep. me though when I was playing with that um here in Sydney it felt like and from what I could judge it would be good for SLR lenses but I felt like maybe not enough for PL mount lenses and so I just stopped short of getting it now, where does this one fit into the this new one fit into the kind of product line of follow focuses? So this, so this is, and and actually, I'm in exactly the same position as you. I'm in the market for a new follow focus system, and I've been looking at you know the full whack Preston or the C motion sort of three axis systems, um, and sort of looking at that whether it's worth going to to that extent. Um, and this this isn't that, but it's it's a 
single channel system, but it's definitely a big step up from um, the existing Hocus Focus, which I think you're right in saying it's more aimed at DSLRs. So, um, you know, this at the moment, I should say this is a prototype. Um, uh, Pete, who's, who's the designer of this product, is a friend, so uh, was able to play with it today. So, you know, I'm sure there's still things that are that he's working on, he's changing, but I, I think I've got a sense of kind of where it's heading. And um, so it, it's a complete redesign, really, from the existing one. He's he's designed a completely new motor um, system, which I, I, I understand is actually... Uh, a kind of a big deal because even the, the, the sort of systems that are, are coming onto the market like the Red Rock one are using the Hayden motors that are kind of out there. This is a completely new motor with the kind of latest drivetrains and things. It's supposed to be very efficient. It's certainly very, very quiet. It's very sound friendly. Um, it's a completely new digital receiver unit. So that's the actual um, box that you, you know, Velcro or, or stick onto your camera or, or Cinecam in some way um, that actually receives and then talks the motor um, and that that's much much smaller you're talking kind of matchbox size um, it's a digital system now um, so it's just a single cable um, to the motor it's compatible with any digital motor so if you did have other Preston or Arri or uh, other motors you could use those um, and vice versa you could use um, uh, their you could use their receiver with this motor so let's just discuss uh, this the actual Let's just sure, sort of sure. discuss some of the components because the yeah. the motor is such an in- integral part. Maybe people aren't quite aware of just how expensive that is. Like if I was yeah. going to get a new motor for a Preston rig, that alone would probably be like a couple of grand, wouldn't it? I mean, or in your case, uh, 1,500 pounds or something. Absolutely, and the reason for that is because the the requirements for a for a lens motor are are you know really quite um, tough because you know you want it to to not only be strong enough to um, actually turn the physical focus dial on you know some of the kind of older PL lenses can actually be quite stiff. Um, so you, it needs to be powerful, but it also needs to be very very repeatable. Um, so I think on on this product, um, uh, I think a rotation of the focus dial has on the actual hand unit has something like 250,000 um, uh, sort of positions that, that within that. So the sort of resolution of, of what it can repeatedly set the, the uh, cog on the actual motor back to and be, be assured that it's exactly at that point is, um, it, you know, it's very, very accurate. So, you know, you, you can set back to a focus mark and be sure it's exactly on that point. So now there are things like Bartek, there's the, obviously the well, I guess Preston is probably the main kind of gold standard yep. on which most things are judged. So the Preston system, in addition to the motor, is going to set you back four or five grand um, because the... Oh, I mean, at least. Yeah, yeah at least. I mean, I've, I've been looking at this at the moment. I mean, the sort of the three-channel Preston package, um, it's about the same as the three-channel um, C-Motion package. And you're looking at about 24 grand, actually. But I mean, to oh, really? be fair, that is a... That's a big packet. That's with you know the Micro Four Zoom controller or the C Motion equivalent, three motors, the controller, the hand unit, uh, which then and the hand units at that level tend to have a sort of iris slider built in. Um, so you you know it's a very very different product, and um, you know it, it, if you need that kind of functionality, so for example the C Motion will do all kinds of tricks with you know calculating um, depth of field, and there's an amazing display that can actually show you live video from 
the camera you know it's it's that's a complete other level but what the hofo pro does is it's much more it's very very similar to the bartek setup it's you know it's a very very reliable single channel um digital focus system that, that is going to work kind of on on any lens uh whether it's on focus or iris so you could you know you could have a couple um and use one for each um but it just it the, the price point, I think, is is the big deal for this. Yeah, and I think, though, there are a range of Prestons. I think what you're describing is is probably the top of the line. I was sort of talking about the still kind seeing. of entry-level, sort of cheapest thing that you could okay. get would still set you back about, uh, well, as I said, about five grand for the unit and at least uh, two yep. and a half grand for a motor and some other bits. So you'd probably get no change yeah, out so of 10 think- grand. I think you're right for a, for just single channel. I think it's um, uh, it's certainly in my experience. I very rarely see single channel Prestons. I think possibly for that reason, because by the time you spend ten grand, you you know you start to really start considering whether or not you need you know full three channel control. Um, and then you know, so it tends to be you know rental companies, big A list Steadicam operators will go for the full three channel setup. Yeah. So the the Single channel hand control, I think it's the Microforce Digital 2 and the top of the line, the one you're describing, the three channels, is yep. got LED yep. readouts on it and all sorts of things and, and is oh, obviously... Oh, sure, yeah. Is yeah. And actually, I mean, there's, there's some really interesting features at that, at that level, like the, the Preston, the HC3 is the latest one and that has uh, actually pre-printed uh, focus scales that you on um and the uh the, the i mean all of the systems at this level also calibrate the each end stop of the focus travel yeah um, and on the on the preston it then literally tells you you know you, you just whack on the focus dial that has um you know the, the pre-printed focus dial that has the close focus that's the same as the close focus on the lens you're using and then the way their auto calibration system works is it will line up all those focus marks for you so you don't have to get the um you know the sharpie out and mark up the system at all but again that's like you know that's a system that's literally an order of magnitude more expensive than what we're discussing here okay so that's let's establish that as the gold standard and then we get to what i can afford because i don't need that because i don't (laughs) use it enough and i need it stronger enough to use a pl mount lens if i want because obviously i'm going to stick it on an epic i'm going to stick an epic on a steadicam and i'm going to want to be able to use both the canon mount because i've got that and with the canon lenses on that but also the uh, the pl and this this is a i think a real hot spot uh for a lot of users mm-hmm. because you're right the rental houses are going to go for that three channel um Preston, yeah. but I don't need that. I need to just pull focus and not go bankrupt because when you're an owner operator there's a big difference between you know having something that you can leave on the shelf and having something so expensive you need to yeah. hire it all the time or or you you know absolutely go out the door yeah. backwards. So so that begs the question: How much is this um, uh, we're calling HFP product coming in? At? Well, I should. Again, I should stress, all I've seen is a prototype. I've chatted with Pete. You know, he, he's got, a, a, you know, a, a few couple of months ago until he can start ramping up production. So I would hate to sort of well, say a price now. I guess. Be, but, I mean, I, I know what he's roughly aiming at is is in uh, in UK pounds about 3500 Um So that and that is cheaper than, I think, the Bartek and the M1 motor cost at the moment. I think uh, last time I looked at that, by the time you've certainly to import that to the uk it's over four so three and a half is is kind of a big deal um at this level i I think um so that's a bit more than double what the slr version is which is the one that i said was not quite enough 
for me. Sure. And I was going to say, I was going to say that the, um, you know, the, the other factor with this, I, I sound like I'm head over heels for it. I, mean, I, I, I must have used probably every focus system. This one just really interests me for the, you know, the, the price he's um, putting it, he's hoping to put it out at is the actual, you know, the quality of the thing. It's just one of those kind of film products. You, as soon as you take it out of the box, and it, incidentally, I think that price is going to include, you know, properly cased up and proper foam cut, uh, you know, laser cut foam and all that kind of thing. Um, but you, you take the motor out of the box, you know, you could probably drive in nails with this thing. You know, it is it is beautifully machined. It's all, uh, well, I, uh, Pete could tell you about the, uh, you know, uh, engineering processes, but the actual, the motor itself is really, really solid. Um, there's absolutely no kind of, um, once you've, you've set it all up, you know, the slightest kind of jitter that you can put into the actual hand unit is immediately translated onto the, um, onto the lens. There's absolutely no kind of delay or lag or, or I was going to say it, that because that's one of the really big issues, isn't it? Like you want it, you want, you've already mentioned repeatability and obviously having enough strength in the motor yeah. to turn the lens. Uh, yeah. Build quality, you've also ticked that box, but then you need it to be responsive because that is the kiss of death yeah. if you've got a, like a lag. Absolutely. Well, it, it comes down to trust, really. I think it's, um, you know, if whether it's you using it or, uh, you know, if it, it, I think if you own the equipment and you're kind of, um, you know, you, you're used to how it works, um, then... Uh, some of this isn't isn't quite as much of an issue, but if it's a if it's a bit of equipment, if you're working on shoots and your kid is being, you know, you have third party focus pullers or whatever using your equipment, and um, you know they they just need to very quickly establish trust with stuff like that because obviously for a focus puller, you know their kind of reputation is hugely on the line um, <laughs> in the hands of this stuff, and you know um, if, if it doesn't respond in um, you know in the way they need it to, um, it, it puts them in a really difficult position and no focus puller wants to have to you know blame their tools um they just want it to work first time um and yeah at, at the moment as we tested it today I, so i was doing a steady cam shoot today on on 16 mil um uh i was just doing steady cams another dp and some you know there were a couple of little niggles that, that you might expect for a prototype you know to do with what order it's powered on in and and, and little stuff like that but nothing that you wouldn't expect for the first prototype of something. Now, um, what was overall, it like on what was it like on lens changes because one of the other the fourth part of the sort of equation of tick yeah. boxes for me is how long it takes to set up and how because obviously when you put a press and whatever on you need to calibrate it and sort out where you are yeah. and also work out where the uh, either end of the stop is. So the way this system works um, is similar to the press and the C motion and it has an auto calibrate button. Um, in fact, actually, the way it's set up at the moment, the second you apply power to it, it, it starts to try and calibrate, which I think probably will change. Uh, but certainly there's a, a calibrate button on the receiver and also on the hand unit, whichever is more convenient for the focus puller. So the idea is um, they swap the lens out, they um, stick the new one on. As soon as they've meshed the motor onto the uh, focus uh, cog, they press the calibrate button. The motor will then just travel to one end of the lens until it finds resistance, which it will do and stop very quickly so you don't get into a situation where you know the torque of the motor is kind of you know bending your lens mount or anything like that so it'll just very just dab onto the one focus stop and then it'll travel right to the other end find the other focus stop and then at that point it'll go to whatever position the hand unit is set to um and the idea is that 
doing that means that you know if you start the day on the 18 mil and the focus pillar is marked up the um, the actual dial on the hand unit to reflect the the witness marks on the lens then you know at some point during the day you're on different lenses and you come back to the 18 mil by snapping the the, the uh, dial that you've pre-written up for the 18 mil onto the hand unit, pressing calibrate again, all of those marks will um, will be accurate again because it will have calibrated exactly the same way. So once you've written up your your focus dials for each lens, you're kind of good to go. So you're talking about an extra five seconds between lens changes on top of using wow. a, a standard follow focus. Because yeah, one of the I things say. that I used to worry about is uh, some of the follow focuses I've used literally kind of slamming either end of the during the calibrations yeah. thing. And I'm like, please. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And you're kind of dreading, you know, what it's going to get to and seeing the whole kind of, yeah, the, the bar system flexing under the load. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah I'm, I'm not an electronics expert. From what I understand about, about this is it just, it's, um, you know, it's reading the resistance from the motor constantly back to the receiver and it just very, very rapidly, um, you know, and sort of, nanoseconds or whatever you know cuts the load to the motor as soon as it detects that the you know that, that there's some resistance there so uh so, certainly today we were just using uh super speeds i think the mark threes today and um you know there was no question of any kind of flex or anything unpleasant it just you know it was just like turning it with your hand reasonably gently to the end of the stop you know it, it, it didn't seem to be forcing it at all which begs the question which i can ask you because you know you don't work for anyone in particular other than yourself um would you be, because we've seen now since 2010 at NAB, the Red Rock micro remote focus system, which was meant to be not only a follow focus system, but also literally allowed you to drop your iPhone into the controller and have a graphical user interface. Do you feel that um, if this system was on the market, you'd be grabbing it now because you can use it and it's professional or would you still wanting to be hanging out waiting hoping that the red rock will ship soon i mean just at a personal level well i think i always come back to um my friend of db stephen murphy amazing dp had a, a quite a good analogy of you know there's equipment which like actual working cameramen use to get a job done and there's equipment that kind of filmmakers um in inverted commas who hypothetically want the best kit on paper want uh, and i think that kind of comes down to that in that you know this i mean this is obviously a prototype it's not kind of massively field tested but it feels to me like it's you know it's a very solid product that is going to do a simple job very well and reliably um so and you know i think it will be available in a couple of months um so i i guess for me i i would be very tempted by that i would have to examine carefully whether the the bells and whistles on the red rock were were sort of worth the potential additional complexity um but i i don't know a huge amount about that product to be fair um well because it isn't out yet so it's uh, it's hard to say um the thing is that's the difficulty isn't it i, I guess my thing people we had asked this question a lot i tend to be of the position that don't buy anything until the minute that you need it and then the minute that yep. you need it if you can make money with it then get the best, most sensible, robust thing you can. And don't, yeah. you can't shoot a film with something that doesn't exist yet. So if you have to shoot a film, you need something that actually is out that you can use. And therefore, if you can make money with it and shoot with it, then you just need to make a decision of what's available. It's, I think you can get into it. Well, there's that... Um 
Yeah, I agree. There's that lovely expression of, um, you know, when you need to make a decision, flip a coin in the air, you know, not because it's random, but because at the moment you throw the coin in the air, you know what it is that you wish the result was. Uh, <laughs> I think that there's a point, you know, you can, when push comes to shove, it's very, it's so, we've all done it. You know, you, if you have um, a few days with no shoots and stuff, you you get on the web and click through, like, you know, it starts off a couple of pages and before you know it, you've read like you know 400 blog posts on follow focus systems and it's easy to kind of um um you know lose the wood for the trees i think so um you know ultimately what's required is something that very accurately translates a wireless focus styles movement into lens movement and you know beyond that um you know everything else is an is a sort of nicety rather than necessity so it's crucial obviously that it does that that very well so just finishing up uh, back on the uh hocus products just in terms of steadicam operation uh, in terms of weight and everything else, it just seemed like a good solution to you because obviously I'm curious. That's one of the big uses I want for it. Sure. Well, the the actual motor itself is, um, you know, it, it's pretty hefty. I think, um, uh, you know, we were using uh, an Airton XT. You know, on, I think on on a sort of reasonably soft camera, it feels kind of in proportion. I think if you're using it on, you know, a DSLR, I'm just trying to think of a of a comparison. It's maybe the weight of. Like a sort of, you know, the the, the Canon 50 mil prime. It's kind of in that sort of territory. <laughs> it's just a complete guess. You know, it it's got a bit of heft to it. Um, but the actual receiver itself is um, is very very light. It, you know, as I say, it's about sort of matchbox size. Um, you know, it was we just velcroed it somewhere onto the um, onto the rig. But I, I believe there's going to be various mounting options, whether onto rods or all the sort of element technical VLOP plate or all that sort of thing. But it really can go anywhere. Um, it works on uh, 2.4 gigahertz, which is sort of Wi-Fi frequencies. There's various you can cycle through different frequencies frequencies on the, the handset and the receiver. Um, I should mention, I think, again, this wasn't working today, but there is a, a remote run and stop button on the handset, so there'll be a range of cables that you can, again, this is this is not uh, unique to this system, but there will be run cables for RED and ARRI and all those sort of things that will, will allow the focus puller to actually run the camera from the handset, and that's really important for Steadicam because the second, um, we had this today because we didn't have it, you know, you're sort of framed up on the Seicam, you you um and, and to run the camera the the focus puller is actually sort of prodding you in the side of the camera which means that the first thing the editor sees is a wobbly Seicam, which you then <laughs> lose a few feet of film kind of recovering from before you're actually set so being able to to run the camera from the wireless handset is really important as well did you have it on the art on uh xtr was that what you had it on yes that's right, right. great yeah, well, um, I think I've got a photo of that, uh, so um, we'll probably put that in the show notes. Well, look, mate, really appreciate you giving us your insight because I, I really, uh, you know, value your opinion, and it's a it's opinion that's sort oh, of right in <laughs> sync with where I'm at. So thanks so much for that. Really do appreciate. Oh, you're it. welcome. I mean, it's it is interesting because just at the moment, I, it, it's it really is a decision for me at this moment. You know, do I spend potentially twenty four grand on the Preston or whatever? But you know, right now I'm seriously considering. Is it actually so much more efficient to get a couple of these setups? So you've got one for focus, one for iris, and you've got, you know, then a ton of money that can be on all kinds of other stuff. And you know, so it, for me, it's just really making me consider: are the extra bells and whistles really worth it? What's actually needed to get the job done? Yeah, 
Yeah. Plus, of course, if you had a couple of systems, you'd have some built-in redundancy if anything went wrong in the field because, you know... Absolutely. If, if you, let's say, lost one unit for some reason, as anything could yep. happen with anything, um, you know, you'd yep. still be able to keep going with, say, pulling focus. Maybe you couldn't pull Iris anymore, but, well, okay, that's something I could live with, you know. Uh, Absolutely. And then also having two handsets means that your focus pull is doing the focus and, you know, your DP can be doing the, the iris. Um, you're not tied to, whereas with the press and C-motion systems, it's tremendously more expensive to have multiple handsets. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, man, thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Ed, for that. That's fantastic. i got to say with Ed, he's one of those people who you know, actually knows what a film set is and doesn't walk in and just immediately just doesn't know what they're doing. He's been through the whole film thing and is very much at home with, with, with film and, and digital and uh, really knows what he's talking about. In and, a sense, he's old know, school. He is old school. And uh, that's um, that's not so... I mean, that is partly that, that English thing is the industry is very... Um, I guess it's you have to earn your stripes a bit more there before you kind of can can kind of progress it's i think the thing about ed and and there are dops like him that i know of, that of they're course. not trying to they're not trying to break the rule book for the purpose of just shoving it to the man they're trying to reorder the rule book and maybe write a couple of new chapters based on what new technology is possible to do but with no sense that that requires them to dish or dump the enormous contribution of the DOPs that have gone before him. So it's, it, you know, it's not a matter of innovating at the cost of somebody else. It's a matter of innovating based on what the previous generations have learned. And yeah, and as I, yeah, he's definitely um, someone who doesn't have... If you sort of push outside the boundaries of what's professional, like I did when I shot with him, and you know, if they don't get the back up and don't sort of get the shits and just go, yep, no problems, that's what we have to work with. So just to clarify yep. that comment, you were pushing the boundaries of Me. unprofessionalism. Yes. I said, let's yeah, okay. do this, and let's not give you a focus puller, and why don't we put this all in the steady cam? and why don't I shoot wide open, and why don't we follow somebody? So in other words, you acted it. like a director. Uh, basically, yeah, just completely, yeah, like a director who just made shit up as they went along and changed their mind and didn't have quite the right gear for the job, and Ed made it all work. Um, and it was good. I saw the the, the stuff you shot was great. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's fine. He's really good. Uh, but uh, and I just go back to the Hofo Pro. Um, it's really impressive because one of the things with these systems is that one of the killer parts of it, and one of the things that has almost brought companies to their knees, uh, has been making these bloody motors. The motors are the most time-consuming to get it right, these digital motors, and make them correct and get the zero backlash in, these len- in, in, in all the gearing and make them correct and accurate so that if you focus from point A to point B, you hit exactly the same mark as if you go from point C back to point B. If you go from infinity to four foot or whether you go from two inches to four foot, it hits four foot exactly and accurately and with no slop. And you do the tiniest little movement on that focus wheel and you see that gear moving and that lens moving. And as we said, that is hard shit. Without, without a lot of legacy. You don't yeah. want it to be... Because every single motor up until this point that has done a really good job has been like seriously twice the price of what this whole kit's going to be. Like you normally will people say, oh, I've got this fantastic transmitter. Oh, great. And how much is the whole package? Oh, we just sold the transmitter thing. Motors, you've got to go and do your own thing. Good motor, five, six, seven, whatever thousand dollars. So um, to see this whole kit for what's probably going to be, I think it's around the three, three grand, three thousand. But pounds. Pounds. 
mark. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, so, yeah, good on them. And thank you, Ed, for uh, taking the time to have a chat. Okay, now moving on, we have a uh, Twitter and blog shout-out. Now, why don't you do the blog shout-out after I've given you the Twitter shout-out? Okay. And the I'm reason doing... for that is because I want to give the Twitter shout-out for <laughs> Hocus Products, which ties in with Ed's thing. Excellent. Um, okay. Which is actually H-O-C-U-S and then products, P-R-O-D. U-C-T-S, one word, um, and that's the, uh, you know, the Twitter feed. And, look, these guys haven't been Twittering for forever, so um, they're not like a bit of bazillion things. I think, um, let me just check. The, um, the, the Twitter feed is good, but obviously they'll be publishing more stuff as they go along because, as I say, it's a newer... Um, Twitter yeah, account. absolutely. Good idea. And, you know, it's good to, again, as we've talked about, establishing a connection with these companies, you know, have a relationship with them. And, uh, you know, it just it does help if you really do want that, get that order in. It's good to be friends, you know. Um, anyway, so uh, the blog shout out this uh, this app is to Matt Duclos's, uh own personal blog, Circle of Confusion. And uh, uh, those who don't know Matthew Duclos, who uh, works for, I guess this is, uh, I guess it's the family company, Duclos Lenses, uh, duclosslenses.com. Uh, Matt is a very senior and impressive uh, lens technician um, and has his own blog about his thoughts about lenses, glass cameras and how they all work together. And also obviously a bit of a blog uh, on what he's working on and his own mods. You get a, a bit of a heads up on the gear he's working on. What these guys do is a really impressive range of taking existing glass and um, obviously not just sort of servicing stuff but to modify uh, existing stills glass or uh, or um, uh, professional um, stills uh, glass and modding it more for cine use so and they are there's a, a lot of lenses that? they're working on which are you know we can't wait to start talking about so so he has on his blog site about the Zeiss uh, ZF.2 the, the the ZF two. or the 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 ZF the Cinemod the set yeah. of Cinemod lenses yes so I, I'm just slightly confused are they Nikon mount the the ZFs uh, I always get this wrong there's the ZEs and there's the ZFs and I think the ZFs are Canon mount and the ZEs are uh, Nikon mount because what I find a bit confusing or is the that it says that it's easily adapted to Canon EOS and I don't know if it's easily adapted with an adapter ring or they right. easily adapt them no it's my understanding is what they do with these lenses is they will with the Z <clears throat> with the the Nikon version yeah. those lenses have uh, an iris ring so he'll declick the iris ring, so you can go into easily set it to whatever yeah. stop range. You're not there's no detents in there. Um, uh, the Z, the Canon version, of course, doesn't have. Um, I could be wrong. The ZF might the Canon Nikon versions might of these ones might not even have um, iris either. But he'll put uh, and standard the class, standard uh, eighty mil fronts on the front of these. So basically, that's the front ring that will fit into the front of a standard sort of Arri matte box, say, um, so that all of the lenses all the same, and no matter what lens you put on, it'll always fit snugly and light tight into the front of a matte box uh, or a clamp on matte box or whatever you've got. It's 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 a, it's a standard. Uh, he'll put a, a Delrin, a press fit, proper professional Delrin gear 
so that this is not a zip tie, this is not a clip-on thing, this is not something that has seams or gaps or grub screws or whatever. This is a whole solid gear that gets fitted so that you can go around the horn three or four times and you know there's no gaps in the cogs. So it's correctly pitched gear, cinema pitched gear, put an 80mm front on it, uh, de-click the irises uh, if, if that applies to those lenses and kit it all out and put it in a, uh, put it in a storm case. Okay, but but what I'm saying though is that if I sorry that was you. What was if your question? I want to put that on a Canon mount Epic, which is what I want to do. Yes. So these lenses are essentially originally stills lenses, now converted to cine use. But I can get them to be a Canon mount, or do I have to buy a Nikon to Canon mount adapter thingy from someone else? Uh, no, there's two different. You you buy them per for what per what I want because per, why yeah. Because I can't imagine a Nikon mount being nearly as popular as a Canon mount for cinema use. I can imagine a PL mount being really useful. I mean, I have a PL mount Duclos converted lens and I love it to death. But as I now have a Canon mount, I quite like Canon mounts. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, if you can get a you know a reasonably... I mean, obviously, there is still no substitute for a full, large cinema lens if you're doing critical focus pulls and you've got a full crew and you've gone to exactly as we've talked about if you want to put it on on a, on a steady cam with a remote focus and there is no substitute for having a lens that you know the lens barrel needs to go around whatever 360 you know and more go around rotate two three times before it goes from infinity to minimum focus that level of control of focus where you know if an actor moves an inch you know, there's a reasonable amount of travel in the lens to give you some accuracy. Um, there's no substitute for that. But this is the next. This is the ne- nearest thing that you can essentially have. For I think these these kits are. You know, we're talking um, uh, four figures. You know, for essentially the same range as if this was, if this was uh, a set of uh, super speeds, probably something that's maybe ten years old. You're still going to be you're paying whatever thirty thousand dollars for a set. And of I those. think these are awesome. I mean, like this this is ice. Um, that I'm looking at, for example, there's a 35 mil, uh, which I presume that's cine, that stills 35 mil, isn't it? I guess. Yes. Um, well, that should cover full, full frames. So no, there should be cover, no issues I mean, with the. But it would have 5K. a field of view on my Epic, which would be closer to a 50, I'm assuming. And it's going to be a 1.4. So a 1.4 35 mil for $2,175. I mean, I, I just shudder to think what a 1.435 PL mount yeah. master prime would be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to whatever, 12 something. But more to the point, miles. it would be so big and heavy as to make it less useful to me in the work that I like to do, which is being pretty gun, run and gun with the Epic. Yeah, if you're, if you're running majority, doing your majority of your own focus, then these, these you know, adapted stills glass is uh, the way to go. But obviously, if you spend your entire life um, where someone else is pulling focus for you and has to accurately go from marks and not go from what they can see off uh, a monitor or through an EVF, then you know you should be looking to exp- you know larger cine glass, which apart from anything else gives you this much more expanded focus. Gives you an iris if you need to do an iris pull. If you've got a steady cam move from coming downstairs and then you go from interior lighting to side lighting. <laughs> What's that? Isn't that what they that's, well, that's that that is true. That is true. No, but look, so, the other thing is, apart from anything else, as we said, we both own Duclos lenses. We both bought them with real money and we mm, love them to death and yeah. I'm t- totally happy to endorse them as being yeah. excellent. 
Now, if you have, I believe he will obviously not just buy in the kits, he'll modify. If you send your lenses to him, you can do, you know, if you bought a whole bunch of ZEs and ZF, ZEs are for Canon, ZFs are for Nikon. Um, I have to work out a memory remembering that. But uh, he can obviously do those mods for you. But it's quite critical. Uh, press fitting these gears onto the lenses is quite tricky, quite technical, and it's not for the, for the faint-hearted. And because it's being done right, uh, it's best if uh, it gets done uh, in-house by these guys. Anyway, so, um, yeah, lenses, you know, another whole massive rat hole. I love that rat hole. Um, it's a continuing one. <laughs> The, it's and it gets harder and harder to make these kind of decisions when we've got mount choices now on on some on you know on on serious cameras you know pretty much everything we've uh, any, anything good that's been announced this year we're talking about epic f3 you know the canon whatever this x camera is going to be um fs 100s you can choose there's a million mounts to choose from and it makes the glass choice really hard uh yeah well, hey. anyway, that's uh, it's a website worth checking out or a personal blog. Yes, uh, that is uh, matthewduclos.wordpress.com. So it's uh, two T's, uh, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-D-U-C-L-O-S. I have to go and shoot some really, really, really interesting food shots right now. So I'm going to have to excuse myself soon. Awesome. Okay, yep, I'm heading off. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Ed, for contributing. Um, please uh, ping us if you've got any thoughts, issues, story ideas. We'd love to hear it. Thanks for those that have done so, so far. We appreciate it. Do you want to give out our Twitter feed? Uh, Yes, it is the RC podcast, twitter.com slash the RC podcast. Thanks so much for being with us, guys. Um, We'll talk to you next week. As I said, uh, we've got a couple of shows coming up, but I just want to flag one, which is, that we are at show 98. So mm. in two shows' time, we'll be doing our 100th episode of the RC. So um, we hope to talk to you guys then. Okay, We've got huge in. plans for that, which we'll have to talk about. <laughs> Live from New York. It's, okay, <laughs> which thanks. we have to make some up. Thanks so much, guys. See you. See you. Thanks for listening. Send your questions or comments to rc at fxguide.com. Copyright 2011, FX Guide, LLC.